Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. Amen. So if you could open up your Bibles this morning to John uh, chapter 1, we'll be reading there in a moment. First, I want to st- uh, share a story. Uh, long ago, a man sought out the perfect picture of peace. Not finding one that satisfied, um, he announced a contest to produce this masterpiece. The challenge stirred the imagination of artists everywhere, and paintings arrived from far and wide. And finally, the great day of, of revealing the paintings had come. The judges uncovered one peaceful scene after another, unveiling the ones that didn't win first. So as they continued opening them, the people saw them, they enjoyed them, they clapped and they cheered. Um, but as things go on, they continue to get better, of course. Um, and it got down to where only two pictures remained unveiled. Um, I'm sorry, veiled. As the judge pulled the cover from one, a hush fell over the crowd. It was a mirror smooth lake reflected um, with lacy green birches under a soft blush of the evening sky. Along a grassy shore, a flock of sheep grazed undisturbed, and surely this had to be the winner, the crowd thought. But it wasn't. It was the runner-up. The man with the vision of what he was looking for uncovered the last painting, and the, the crowd gasped in surprise, and they were quite confused, too. Could this be it? They all wondered. It was a tumultuous waterfall cascading down a rocky side of the mountain, and the crowd could almost feel how cold and penetrating the water was. Stormy gray clouds threatened to explode with lightning, with wind and with rain. In the midst of the thundering noises and bitter chill, a spindly tree clung to the rocks as the, at the edge of the falls, and one of its branches reached out in front of the torrential waters as if it was foolishly seeking to experience its full power. A little bird had built a nest in the elbow of that branch. Content and undisturbed by the stormy surroundings, She rested on her eggs with her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover the little ones. She manifested peace and transcended all of the earthly turmoil around her. As we go through the turmoil in life, there is only one way to find peace as the storms of life come upon us and the violent waters fall around us. We can only find true peace through Jesus by His covering in life as we take shelter from the tumultuous life under Him. So let's read our scripture, John chapter 1, verses 43 through 50. And it says, The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from uh, Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. 
This morning, I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, Under the Fig Tree. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your presence here tonight. God, I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would minister to the people in this place. God, that your Spirit would help me deliver the message that you have for them. God, that it would not be by my strength or my power or my intellect, but by your Spirit alone, God, that this message is delivered this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first I want to talk about under the fig tree. Now in our text we see Jesus mentions that he sees Nathanael under the fig tree. Um, and the fig tree in the history of Israel has very important symbolic, symbolic meaning, which means peace. The fig tree in many different um, references in scriptures symbolizes peace to an Israelite. Uh, we see evidence of this in 1 Kings 4.25 which says, And Judah and Israel lived in safety from Dan even to Beersheba, every man under his vine and under his fig tree all the days of Solomon. Solomon was a king of peace. There was no conflict under his rule. That was a promise of God. Um, this is referencing to that. And Micah 4.4 4 says, But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. So this is a couple instances of the fig tree representing peace to these people, to the Israelites. Um, and oftentimes it was also a tradition for Israelites as they studied and meditated on Scripture to sit under the, a fig tree, partly symbolic and also partly because fig trees are known for having a large, luscious green tree that provided a very good broad scope of shade. So in verse 48, Jesus says, Before I called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, this triggered Nathaniel to believe that Jesus, sorry, this, uh, this phrase triggered Nathaniel to believe that Jesus was indeed who Philip said he was, which he responds, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. That's quite the confession to make, because at that time there was a King of Israel in the political speaking, and it wasn't Jesus. But like I said before, if this is a tradition to study under the fig tree, is this really that much of a, a prediction? You know, hey, you're doing what a lot of other people do. You know, maybe he got lucky. <laughs> um, but it's it's what Jesus said to him the first, before he said that. Um, sorry, excuse me, lost my thought here. It's what Jesus said before, along with the statement of the fig tree. Right before he says, I saw you under the fig tree, he says, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. So it's really likely that Jesus made these two statements and revealed to Nathaniel that not only he knew what he was, uh, that he was studying under the tree, but he knew what he was studying under the tree. So let's look into this a little bit closer and see if we can understand that. Um, John 1.47 says, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed whom there is no deceit. Now this word deceit in this scripture is the same word that the name Jacob translates to. Um, and you guys know the story. I just talked about it in my last sermon, so you should know it. <laughs> uh, Jacob wrestling with God in Genesis 32. Um, you know, they're wrestling with God, and God says, tell me your name. He wants him to confess that he's living out the meaning of his name, Jacob, uh, which means deceit. Um, and God changes his name to Israel. He changes his name from, Is, uh, from Jacob to Israel, or from deceitful liar to governed by God. So by these two statements, many commentators believe that 
Jesus reveals not just where he was, but what he was studying or what he was meditating on when Philip came to him. And it's, in this day and age, of course, you know, it's not like he could get inside in, insider information before Philip came up. You know, Philip and Nathaniel are driving over to Jesus and he's like, hey, I was talking to Nathan. He was under a fig tree and this is what he was reading. So, you know, here's a tip. But it, didn't, it didn't go that way, you know, because they couldn't text back then. You know, it makes it a lot harder this day and age for encounters like that to be believable because so many people are skeptical and there's so many resources now. But anyway, that's not part of my, my sermon. So John 1, 47 through 49. Let's review this encounter again. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now right here, Jesus exposes what Nathanael was studying. Like I talked about, Nathanael is suspicious already and he's probably a little bit confused and maybe a little stunned. He goes, was that a coincidence? You know, he's thinking in his mind. And then he says, how do you know me? You know, did, did Philip text you on the way over here? No, I didn't go that way. And Jesus answers him and says, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So then Jesus follows this up by not only telling Nathanael what he was thinking about, but where he was doing it. And now Nathanael is convinced that Philip uh, that what Philip has told him is true. And he goes on to say, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Now this blows Nathaniel's mind. Any skepticism he had at this point is gone. He realizes, wow, this guy is something. Um, and then continues on to go, John 1, 50-51, Because I have said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So in other words, Jesus says, oh, you thought that was cool? Just wait. There's a lot more to come. Stick around because it's about to get exciting. And if you guys know the rest of the story, you know that it did get a little bit more exciting from there. So how do we find ourselves under the fig tree one moment and encountering Jesus the next moment? We have to be brought out somehow. Which brings me to my second point, coming out from under the fig tree. So Nathaniel was a student of the Bible, but he hadn't encountered Jesus yet. And as we mentioned earlier, the fig tree um, is the national symbol of peace for Israel. But much of the world takes shelter under a false sense of peace. A fake fig tree, if you will. You know, many of them, um, there's a couple things specifically I want to talk about, is false religions. You know, false religions such as safety net religions. You know, I just got to show up on Sunday, take my communion, confess my sins once a week, and I'm good to party the other six days. Or religions of works. You know, we do this, do that, give this, live that way, do this thing, and then you'll find inner peace, you'll find nirvana, you'll rule your own galaxy someday. Or whatever false, you know, narratives they want to feed you, it's these fake things that they give you to give you a false sense of peace. And uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, 13-14 speaks of these people. He says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. There's so many religions based around holiness and, and all these things, but really it's just Satan disguising an angel of light giving you a false sense of peace. Let me tell you something. A false sense of peace is far worse than having no sense of peace. But, 
There's also the religion of having no religion. And a lot of people of this day and age take pride in this one. There is no God. When we die, we go into the ground and we rot. So I'm going to live my life how I want to live my life. And they find themselves trying to fill this never-ending pit, seeking joy away from God. Just putting one thing after another into this pit. Jobs, careers, drugs, alcohol, all these things, video games, hobbies, boats, fishing. You know, whatever it is, all these things that people do that think, okay, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it again, I'm going to do it again, do it again, get better, get better, get better. And it continually, you, you just throw it into this pit and it never fills up. And that's what these people do is, is they, they really do have a religion. It's a religion of satisfying their flesh. Psalms 10, 3 through 4 says, The wicked boasts of the desires of his soul and the greedy for, uh, for the gain. Sorry, let me start over. And the wicked boast for the desires of his soul and the one greedy for grain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. And then today we see people who live with no peace at all. They're ruled by their depression, by their anxiety. They're ruled by their fear. And they don't even have a false sense of peace. They just live day to day in constant stress and anxiety. And, and that's no way to live your life. But like I said before, this is... People are in this position or in a better position than somebody who has a false sense of peace, who thinks they have it all together when they really don't. So as Christians, Jesus desire, desires us to use us to bring these people out of their false senses of peace and bring them to him. And the one who is the one true source of peace. So Jesus could have gone and found Nathaniel on his own. He could have, he knew exactly where he was. You know, he said it. I saw you under the fig tree. He could have gone up to Nathaniel. He could have told Nathaniel everything he was thinking from the day he was born all the way up until that moment. But he didn't. Philip, a newfound ambassador of Christ, went and found his friend and brought him to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, to be reconciled to God. You see, God desires to use us. He desires to use us to implore people on the behalf of Christ. God is mighty and powerful. He doesn't need us. He can do everything He wants to do without us. But He desires to use us. He desires to put us in the field for His harvest. That's by His design. So how do we do this? We can learn a lot from this very simple interaction that Philip and Nathaniel had. So let's read it one more time. John 1, 45-46. Philip fan, found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can, any, uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. See, Philip comes to Nathanael and says, We found Jesus. He's here. And Nathaniel, unfortunately, responds in a very similar fashion that most of the people do when we're outreaching, with doubt and skepticism. So he doesn't just jump right up and say, wow, really? Let's go. Okay, where is he? Come on. He, he answers with, with skepticism. He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, Nathaniel, like we talked about earlier, is a student of the Bible. 
And he understands that the prophecies of the coming Messiah, that he comes out of Bethlehem, not Nazareth. So his skepticism in this situation is understandable. And if you guys know the, the background of Jesus, he is his, his roots were from Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem, but his family lived in Nazareth. So little little tidbit for you guys there on that one. But Philip's response is very simple. He just says, come and see. See, Philip had an encounter with Christ already. Um, and, and when he's met with resistance on his first outreach attempt, he just says, come and see. So in other words, he doesn't argue with him. He doesn't try to coach him in his life. He doesn't say, hey, man, you're, you're kind of dumb. <laughs> come on, dude. Don't you get it? Don't you see it? No, he just says, come and see. Now, if you guys get anything out of this sermon, I want you guys to get this. It's easy for us as Christians to see the sin in a sinner, but only Jesus can make the sinner see the sin in themselves. We just share our testimony. We look to people and we say, look at what Jesus has done for me. He can do it for you too. Bring them as close as you can to Jesus and then let Jesus do the rest. Let Jesus have his encounter with them. Because just like how Jesus saw Nathaniel, where he was, he sees all of us right where we are. Which brings me to my third point. Jesus sees you right where you are. No matter what our circumstances are or where we're at in our lives, Jesus sees us where we are and he cares. And I believe this is very well illustrated in the story found in John chapter 11. And for the sake of time, we won't read the entire thing. Um, but it's a very remarkable story. I do encourage you to read the entire thing. Um, but I'm just going to give you a, a brief summary of part of it. Um, Jesus is out doing his thing, of course, you know, ministering to the people. And some of his friends come to him and say, hey, your friend Lazarus, he's sick. He's going to die. You need to come. And so Jesus hears this message. And what does he do? He doesn't go right away. He waits two days before he even starts his journey back. He's a ways away. So he continues doing his thing for two days. And Jesus knows that Lazarus died. He tells his disciples this. He goes, okay, it's time to go back. Lazarus is dead. And they're like, what? You know, this is kind of confusing for them. Um, and when he arrives, he gets there. And Lazarus had already been dead for four days. People are there. I guess you could say maybe they're doing his funeral or whatever. But there's a, a large group of people there. They're mourning the death of their friend Lazarus. Um, and and they encounter Jesus, and they get there, and they basically, they're like, man, you're too late. Because <laughs> they know the power of Jesus. They know what he could have done. They know they could have healed him. So let's pick up the story here in John 11, 32 through 36, when Mary talks to Jesus. Um, now when Mary came to see where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. Jesus wept. This is the, Jesus cried in this moment. A full-grown man. <laughs> Not to mention you know, the Son of God. This is... This is the shortest scripture in, in the Bible, shortest verse in the Bible, and that's probably what it's mostly noted for. But 
There's so much in that one verse. I want, I want to look at this a little closer. See, Jesus, as the story continues, you guys know the story. Jesus enters the tomb and raises Lazarus from the dead. And in this moment, I have no doubt in my mind that Jesus knew he was going to do that. Jesus knew the plans that he had for Lazarus and the rest of the people there. But in this very moment, he sees his followers in pain. He sees them right where they are and his heart breaks for them. See, Jesus sees us in our lives, in our most desperate situations, in our pain, in our suffering, in our depression, in our anxiety, and He shares in that pain with us in these moments. He knows the plans He has for you down the road. He knows the glory that can be there for you, but He shares with you in your pain in this moment. He is a compassionate God. But the great part is, is Jesus doesn't just share in our pain, but He desires to give us life. Earlier on in this story, when he's speaking with Martha, uh, in John eleven twenty five through 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See, Jesus comes to us in our lives, in our pain, and in our struggle, and in our sin, and he tells us he is the answer. And he asks us, do you believe this? John 3.16, you all know it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And Jesus asks, do you believe this? Isaiah 53.5, speaking of the coming of Jesus. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And Jesus asks, do you believe this? Because just as Nathaniel had his confrontation with Jesus, so do we. Each and every one of us do. And Jesus asks, he asks each and every one of us, do you believe that I am the resurrection? Do you believe that I give eternal life? Do you believe that through my sacrifice, you are brought peace and your wounds are healed? And if the answer is yes, then he will tell you, just like he told Nathaniel, great, this is just the beginning. Let's get started. Can I have every head bowed and every eyes closed? You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.